This is the Ezra Podcast. And it's Conor McGregor Fight Week. And it's just, Conor McGregor is a superstar in MMA. He's a superstar in equivalent to the biggest superstars in boxing. And when he fights, it has that feel. And it, has, it feels like a Conor McGregor Fight Week. And it's a trilogy. And it's crazy to think that the trilogy that Conor McGregor's going to have is with Dustin Poirier and not Nate Diaz. And that's the thing with fighting. Like, you never know. Like, we don't know how Haney, Tank, and Tiafimo and Ranger are going to play out in Lomachenko. You don't know. Like, the the fight that maybe you thought was going to happen or the fight that you didn't think was possible. And look at I didn't think. I never would have thought that Poirier and McGregor are going to have a trilogy before Nate Diaz and, and McGregor. But we're here. And everyone's wondering the same thing. Is, is Connor going to be... You know, is it going to be the old Connor they remember? The vicious, the devastating, the dominating Connor, where he hits you with the left hand, you go to sleep, and he has the karate stance, and he's bouncing back and forth. And can he do to Poirier what he did to Poirier the first fight? But the truth is, is I think there's a bunch of factors here. I think the one factor that I keep hearing, right, is that Connor needs to lose the boxing stance. And that this isn't boxing. And he, he can't do that stance and be effective. And that's what's hurting him most. And unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. Now, I think... Well, first of all, I don't think Conor McGregor got that stance from when he went to box and fight Floyd Mayweather. Because he didn't use that stance when he went to box and fight Floyd Mayweather. He uses classic MMA stance. He used a classic kind of karate stance when he fought Floyd Mayweather. So after he lost to Floyd Mayweather, I think it really got into Conor McGregor's head. And I've said this before in previous podcasts talking about Conor McGregor. They got in his head that his power didn't mean anything to Floyd Mayweather. And that he did land a big shot. And he did hit, you know, hit him on the arms and it didn't do anything to deter Floyd Mayweather in that fight. So I thought, I think he changed his style. And he changed his style to, well, what, what were his trainers? They were, uh, uh, you know, those Irish, uh, they came from the Irish club, you know, the gym. So he became a club fighter. He became a brawler. And that's the fight he wanted to Poirier. A fight, that's not the style he wanted to fight Floyd. But that's the style he wanted to Poirier. And what he became was, he was never a good boxer, right? But he was a good MMA fighter. A great MMA fighter. But what he did is because he was so disappointed in how he performed in the boxing fight and he wanted to figure out a style to work in boxing, that he diminished both ends. He became a low-level boxing style and he diminished the skills that he had in MMA. But that being said, I don't think the stance is what killed him in that fight. I actually think he was pretty effective in that fight. If you look at the first round, he dominates the first round. Poirier lands a surprise takedown. But if you see Connor, like Connor controls that right away. It was never a threat. He was never in trouble in that fight. He got held against the fence, landed some good knees, got away, landed some big shots. He controlled the fight. He, I hear people say that Poirier is a better MMA fighter than Connor McGregor. It's not the case. Skill wise, it's not the case. Now, if we get into. The problem is we stop at skill. Usually when we talk to fights, we stop at skill, we stop at ability, we stop at power, stop at speed. 
that's not what the, that's half the battle. Reporter evens it up with Connor. It's when it comes heart, when it becomes determination, when it comes the mind and not allowing it to play tricks on you. Poirier has been in that kitchen. He's been in that fire. He's been in that heat. He knows that he's going to be good in those situations. He knows that he could get through those worst situations. Connor has yet to get through those situations besides the Nate Diaz fight number two. But as soon as Connor feels a little bit of fight back from the other guys, a little bit of negativity, a little bit of it's not going exactly the way I want it. it little, it's going the other way, and I'm going to have to swim upstream here. He wilts away. People keep saying the leg kick, the leg kick, the leg kick. I agree. It was effective. I'm not, I, I think it was beyond the leg kick. I don't think he was just kicking his leg. I think he was kicking his heart. And I think at one point, when things weren't going his way, and he wasn't disappearing, and when he hit him with the shots, he wasn't going away, I think Connor gave in to that. He succumbed to it. Connor's also just coming off of getting knocked out cold. You don't just come off of getting knocked out cold and are a better man for it. He's going into this fight knowing that he can be slept now. Because even when Nate rocked him, he still got tapped out. Floyd didn't sleep him. He would have eventually, but the ref was quick to to say, no, I'm going to stop this fight. Because they didn't want him to get hurt. Especially because, you know, some people felt that maybe Conor didn't belong in there with Floyd. But now he's going in there knowing, I could go to sleep. And at what point in this fight, which I expect Connor to be good in the first round, again, but when Poirier survives that storm and he starts landing his shots, does Connor start getting that feeling again in his head? They're like, hey, I went to sleep before to this guy. It feels a lot similar to that fight again. Because Connor faces those demons, and I, I, I know those demons. I, I felt them myself when I boxed. I was the kind of guy that if I was a front runner and if I didn't have things going my way early, it would start falling apart on me. And I would start feeling a lot more tired than I actually was. And I would start feeling like everything was, the rug was being pulled from underneath me. That's what I would feel. I know that. I know this feeling. I know what he had. We could say, talk about, you know, he's to do more cardio. He needs to block the leg kick. He needs to... I'm sorry, but people have gotten through the calf kick. They have. Some people have taken it. Their leg is goes shot to hell, and they pull through, and they push through. Okay, it, it was more than that. If you hear anything, you know already that the, there's a demon that next to me when I do these podcasts. His name's Atticus, and it's my dog. He's half Shih Tzu, half demon. And as I say that, he's just running it, trying to bite my nose. That's what he does. He tries to diminish the podcast as best he possibly can. He's going to try to jump on the couch and piss on it. That's what he's really going to do. He's going to try to jump on the couch and piss on it. He is a demon. But back to Conor McGregor, who's going to have to face his demons. So how do I see the fight playing out? What do I see changes? I think Conor's going to change his stance a little bit. I do. I don't think that it's going to be a, a, you know, 
extremely drastic. I think it'll have sections where he squares up. I think it'll be sections where he goes more to the karate stance. But if he, what is he going to do for the calf kick? I think the calf kick, his idea and strategy will be that he's either going to be all the way in or all the way out. I think he's going to stay at a far distance where he could bounce back and get out of the range of the kick. And when he gets in, he's going to come in with big shots. And then I think he's going to look to clinch more in this fight. I think he's going to look to push Poirier versus the fence because I think they ha- they were there with them. They felt it. The thing with Poirier is I think that the skills that he has in MMA, he's crafty. I don't know if he's the best, right? Like on the ground, I think he makes mistakes. I think when he's put on his back, I think he makes a lot of mistakes. I think he relies a lot on his strength to get himself up, a lot of explosion to get himself up. I think that in his hands, I think while they're good going forward, they're very bad going back. I think he also has very bad defense with the hands. I think he gets hit with a lot of shots. I think he has a lot of resetting that he has to do. With what I say, what I mean by that is that his legs don't constantly flow. Like the way I see, like a top fighter, right? It reminds me of like skateboarding. In skateboarding, you have to flow. You're flowing into something. So, like, so say someone's riding the street and they 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 all lead to a grind, to a kickflip. Everything has to flow. We can't stop. The skateboarder, the uh, you know the best in the world, they don't stop. They flow into something else. That's the art of it. You're flowing. You don't fall. Get off the skateboard. Reset. You're flowing into something else. Sometimes Poirier doesn't do that. Poirier has to reset. He goes, throws two shots, falls off balance, switches legs, falls off balance, has to reset. He does have to do these things. But if he gets going forward and he gets his rhythm coming forward, he's very effective. He's very effective in certain spots. Coming forward, having a great chin, having a great heart, taking shots, that's where he's the best. And then he wears you down. Poirier's been in a lot of wars. Well, a lot of fighters that I don't think are... You know, elite fighters. Because this is his style. So I think Connor's going to test him against the fence. I think ten- Connor's going to look to apply him against the, ke- apply him against the fence, uh, knee him, elbow him, just put pressure on him, look to break him down. And when they're in the, when they're doing the stand-up, I think he's going to get all the way in, all the way out. I think he's going to get all the way out and fight from a distance. The problem I see with the fight for Connor is that I don't think Poirier, I think Poirier learned from the first fight that I, he jumped forward, he made the mistake, he got too aggressive and got knocked out early. I don't expect that for this fight. I think he's going to be patient. I think he's going to want to see what Connor has. I think he want, he knows he wants Connor in the second, third, fourth round. He wants him there. So the first round, if Connor pours it on, he says, okay, I'm going to withstand it. Because I always withstand it. And let's see what Connor has. End of the second. Beginning of the third. Start of the fourth. Let's see what he has. I think Connor's going to win the first round. I think Connor may win the second round. I think the third round, you're going to see the turn. I think the fourth round, uh, Poirier's going to start really putting it on Connor. And I think Connor's going to have those feelings in the back of his head. And when guys diminish, right? And I think that the Floyd fight did more damage to Connor than we'll, you know, we'll have to see to after his career. But when guys diminish, Getting knocked out, yeah, that's a thing. But when you really know a guy's diminished is when he goes a full to the decision and he has nothing to offer and he just gets completely sh- shut out. I think at this, this is what we're going to see of Connor, and I, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not. I'm a Connor fan. I, I personally, I probably I'm rooting for Connor in this fight, but I think you're going to see a Connor that is going to be afraid to pull the trigger in this fight. Is going to be backpedaling. Is going to kind of ride it out to a decision loss in this fight. Because I think that the second half of this fight is just going to be too devastating for Poirier. I think that that's 
the outcome that I'm predicting is going to happen, I could see also that Connor really bites down on his mouthpiece and we get an absolute war here in the later rounds especially. But I think Connor's gonna, definitely going to look to put him against the fence more. I think Poirier's leg kicks, well, will be, you know, once again, used in this fight, would effective, not as effective as they were before. But I think Poirier, when he starts pushing Connor back, will start seeing the openings, will start getting his shots to matter, will start getting his shots to count, and I think Connor is going to have to bite down or he's going to have to do something to change the momentum of the fight. But I think he's going to say, I don't have this one. I know this feeling. I know what's happening in this. And I'm going to ride this out to a decision loss. I really feel that way for this fight. I feel like the second half of this fight is going to be the determining factor. And it will be because of Connor's heart. It will be because not because of the endurance. Not because of, you know, um, lack of skill. It won't be those things. Because Connor is more skilled than him. He has more abilities than him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It's the other things. The other things you can't see, that you can't measure. Those are the things that are going to weigh on Connor. They always have. They always will. And this, to me, it's going to be highlighted in this fight. On the co-main event, you have Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Versus Gilbert Burns. Now, Gilbert Burns coming off a title shot that he lost. Right, the where he did hurt Usman, where he did do the things he wanted to do, but it just wasn't enough against Usman, who's, you know, the best in the world at that. It's maybe an MMA, but especially at that weight. It's Stephen Thompson, who's, you know, always has come close, has got to the title shot, lost it, lost two title fights to um, Tyrone Woodley, has looked very good at moments, has looked less impressive at other moments. And it's it's really maybe a little bit um, too much too late for Steven Wonderboy Thompson in this fight. Gilbert Burns lost to Usman, but he's still a very effective fighter, very strong, uh, very hard-hitting, very fast, very compact, very explosive fighter. And Steven Wonderboy Thompson is looking more to control range, looking more to pick shots, control distance. And I think that he's, you know, closer. He's probably around 38 years old. You know what I mean? He's getting closer to the end of his career, for right on the door to the end of his career. And I think that he's beginning to hit more because he reminds you a lot of Asandre uh, Lara, right? Where Lara would move around the ring. You couldn't touch him his whole career, right? But now he ha- you have to see Lara has to hold you off by his power because if he doesn't, you're going to jump all over him because he doesn't have the legs to get away. I don't think Steve Wonderboy Thompson has the legs to get away. So I think this fight might be very entertaining. When the Steve Wonderboy Thompson fights, sometimes I have the habit of maybe not being that entertaining because I don't think Steve Wonderboy Thompson has the reflexes and legs that he once did, which is not a surprise because he's about 38 years old. And Gilbert Burns is an explosive guy, especially coming forward. I just think that maybe early Steve Wonderboy Thompson is effective, right? But... Before the age, before everything, he's always had these defensive flaws because that style kind of doesn't work. Because that style is meant to touch you and then touch you, then get out, right? But it's not really a combination or not really waiting for what the other guy has coming back to you. And I think that what happens is Stephen Wonderboy is used to jumping in and touching you, and then he pulls out, and when he pulls out, his whole everything falls apart. And when you rush him, he falls apart, he falls straight back, hands down, 
He has bad habits. I don't really think his defense is that good. I think he controls the distance. He tries to control the distance. But if he doesn't have that, then his defense falls apart. And that's why he gets knocked out or he gets put to sleep. And he's been put to sleep. And he's been put to sleep by Sergio Pettis, who was way out of his prime and way out of his weight class when he fought him. I like Steve Warnerboy Thompson. I like his style. And it's fun to watch. But I don't. I think the defensive flaws in it are always going to add up. And especially in a fight like this where Gilbert Burns is a lets him sling, and he lets a, a more than one go. And he wants to come forward. And if he gets you pushing back, I think I think that um, if he gets Steve Wonderboy pushing, falling back and making the mistakes, I think Gilbert Burns would knock him out cold. I think Gilbert Burns is still right there at the top with the welterweights. And because he lost to Usman, maybe we look at him a certain way, but remember, Usman's doing the best in the world. I think Steve Wonderboy's a, a fan favorite, right? I think people like him and everything. But I just don't think... I see all the flaws that were always there, but now I'm seeing the age catch up to him. I think this fight could be entertaining early. But I expect Gilbert Burns to get a knockout around the second round. The counter is that Steve Wonderboy Thompson just keeps a distance. And he's with the sidekicks. He keeps a distance. Gilbert Burns kind of planted there. He kind of is there to get hit. And Steve, and Steve Wonderboy uh, just controls the cage. He just controls the cage, center cage, and with those kicks and and then he comes in with his one twos and starts picking his shots and Gilbert Burns is like I said he's not a uh he's not a hard guy to find in the cage and he is coming out getting knocked out cold so maybe his chin isn't fully recovered yet and I can see Steve Wonderboy giving getting a late stoppage to a decision let's go to the got a boxing card this weekend we got Golden Boy throwing uh what was supposed to be the Ryan Garcia fight Right, Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight Javier Fortuna, but he had to pull out of it. Well, now Jojo Diaz has stepped in. He's moving up in weight about five pounds um, to fight Javier Fortuna. And Jojo Diaz, when you watch him, want to study his game. He's so impressive. Like, on paper, Jojo Diaz is damn good. If you watch him and study with them at his best, he's damn good. He can counter. He picks his shots well. He's very good with, like, getting the range. He's very good at, even in tight spots, being able to find a way to get like long straight right hands through he's a very effective fighter the only problem is undisciplined outside the ring so sometimes maybe you don't get the jojo diaz that you have that you see at his best it's not a consistent guy or maybe you get a jojo diaz that you know is not in the best gym so he's not sparring the best guy so what works against one guy doesn't when he gets in in there with the best guys, he's not sure it's going to work. He's not confident and believe that what he has, he's going to release the trigger on. Javier Fortuna is, um, a, you know, a wild man in the ring. Truly believes in his power. Truly believes he can get any man out of there. Looks to blitz on you. He's not saying he's not skilled. He's very skilled. He's very pinpoint left hand. He's one, two, and then he'll explode on you because he knows he's, he's got the speed. And he knows that he has power behind those shots. Now, he has bad legs. Um, he has a bad guard. It's very undisciplined. When he goes backwards, he gets unbalanced. When he comes forward, he's kind of unbalanced. He kind of falls in. I mean, he explodes the shots, but he'll end up in wrapped up on you. He gives up space. And I think Jojo Diaz is going to have the skill advantage in this fight. Now, he won't have the size, and I think his power is questionable at 130. So I don't expect it to be great at 135. I don't think it's... Uh, I expect it to, you know put Fortuna, I don't think it's going to hold off Fortuna. I think it's going to have to be a lot of skill for Jojo Diaz. 
only problem with Jalen Diaz is the consistency. Like I said, he falls up sometimes. He if he has a complete performance like Tevin Farmer, but sometimes he gives you like the last fight where he didn't come in shape, missed the weight, lost his title on the scales, wins the fight, but it's not the complete package that I've seen. Maybe he takes this one serious. Maybe he's gonna be like that, and I'm just trying to catch him when I when he takes it serious or not. I expect Jojo Diaz to win this fight on skill alone, but it's going to be walking a tightrope at points because Javier Fortuna is going to do things that really test how disciplined you are. And Javier Fortuna is going to fight in flurries. I think it's the cleaner shots going to be Jojo Diaz, but there are will be flurries and moments for Javier Fortuna. I think Jojo Diaz is going to win a close decision in this fight. And, and Fortuna, which will have his moments in this fight, We'll be able, be able to be held off with Jojo Diaz picking his shots, making sure his shots count and matter, and staying disciplined to his defense. Now, the counter on that is that Fortuna, who's having the five-pound weight advantage, who's comfortable at this weight, is, and has really no power, uh, uh, Jojo Diaz having no power to hold him off, is just going to bum rush him when he wants. He's going to flurry on him when he wants. And even when Jojo Diaz is definitely more skilled, sometimes the power and the speed and the will, it, it will outdo the skill and the timing. And I think that sometimes Jojo Diaz likes to stay in range. And Fortuna is going to like to explode. So I think that the counter would be that Fortuna explodes. And with that pinpoint left hand, catches uh, catches uh, Jojo Diaz right in the chin. And he flurries on him. And he gets him hurt. And Jojo Diaz realizes that the five pounds he went up was a mistake. And the Javier Fortuna... Power is for real. He's never felt power like this. And Fortuna gets him out of there. Right? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, I don't think Joe, Joe Diaz has never been stopped. I've never really even seen him hurt that bad. Or hurt at all, I don't think. So I think that that power is effective. And kind of puts Joe Diaz on a, you know, on a protection mode. It's similar to what I'm saying is going to have with Connor, Where he's going to just kind of fight to survive. And Fortuna's power and flurries flurry to... Uh, Unanimous decision win on a wide margin. I think you're going to know early in this fight is if how is Jojo Diaz going to hold off Fortuna when he looks to explode. I think you're going to see it early, how effective he is with it. Now, the main event, which I think that should be the main event, but they're going to give Gilberto Ramirez the shine against Olven Barrera. Now, Gilberto Ramirez, I've actually sparred him before. Um, he's very strong, uh, very technical, very patient, very calm guy in the ring. And he's a uh, Sal Paul, the Golden Boy. Uh, you know, no one's really been able to maybe get him to the level that they think that he should be at. Well, that's what Golden Boy's going to do. And they think they have, uh, you know, he's from Mexico. He's under, he's 170 pounds, so not a common weight for fighters from Mexico. And they're going to put him against Oliver and Barrera. And this is going to be like an introduction to the Gilbert uh, Ramirez show. Now, Ramirez has moments and flashes of a great fighter. I think he does. But he the, it's the moments where he forgets the placement of the ring. He forgets. He, he has, you know, kind of like brain farts where he puts himself against the ropes. He allows guys to work. It, it's it's kind of like sparring mentality, on, honestly, at points. He does. He has yet to, to me to uh, yet for me to see a consistent performance where he has puts it down and he's complete dominant uh, dominates completely the the space of the ring the distance the the action he just hasn't had that yet. Now he could have that with Barrera because Barrera first of all is used to losing to top competition. 
Brer is a one-shot-at-a-time guy. He's a little bit slow and clumsy with his feet. He's He has technical, he has technical skill, but there's certain things where he's, he's lacking. And coming forward, he lunges. Um, he's a one-shot-at-a-time. He's all these things that really favor Gilberto Ramirez, who's a combination puncher, who likes to move, who has, you know, uh, good side-to-side movement, uh, adjusts well mid-combos, likes to work. Gilberto Ramirez should win this fight. He should win a dominant decision. I don't know if he has the power to put Brewer out, but I think he should be able to win a decision here. So this is gonna this is a really important fight for Gilberto Ramirez to show that I am ready now to fight the Bivols, to, to fight all the, the you know the champs at this weight, to maybe challenge Canelo one day. That's what you need to see here. You can't get a boring fight because Brewer could put you in a boring fight. He's that kind of guy where he's good enough to kind of neglect. Uh, Deflect what you're trying to do, right? Even though he's losing the fight, he's good enough to, like, ride it out to the decision and, and give you kind of a boring, lackluster fight. Gilberto Ramirez can't afford that. Golden Boy can't afford that with him. They need him to really perform in this fight to set up bigger opportunities going forward. Now let's go to my fake money real bets. And there's only one bet this week, and it's not even a fight that I talked about this week. But you know what? This is kind of the old motto. It's like, I'm going to take the fight that I think is good value and I, I feel really comfortable in picking and that's going to be Ty Talavaya Talavaya New Zealand fighter versus Greg Hardy I'm going to put 300k at minus 140 to win 214k Greg Hardy is very limited the fact that he's even this far in the UFC is I don't even know how right he's a very limited fighter he's kind of got one shot and when he got taken down the last fight, he looked like he was completely out of his element. He looked like he had no answers, not even... He just fell apart mentally, physically, everything. It was all gone. And Ty has been around MMA for a while, and he's more fluid with his hands. He's more fluid with his kicks. He, he can leg kick. He's fluid with his hands, and he'll go for a takedown. And he'll look for a takedown. And I think that he has enough experience to say that even if this fight's competitive in the hands... He can take the fight down, and he knows that Greg Hardy will fall apart there. And he knows that he can leg kick him, and he's more fluid. I'm going to take it. He has more of the ability. Now, Greg Hardy's relying on one big shot to end the fight, which is very possible, especially heavyweights MMA. But I'm going to take experience. I'm going to take ability, and I'm going to take a guy that's actually been in there and done it, and he's better at everything Greg Hardy wants to do in this fight. And I think that at worst-case scenario, he can take him down and stop this fight. I think this is Greg Hardy's kind of gets really exposed. I think he got exposed last fight. This is right here is going to be a major. Uh, he's going to get exposed in a big way this fight. And people are going to see that, you know, he's just extremely limited. And he's when he fights guys like this, they're going to know how exactly to handle him. And I think that the odds of minus 140 is you're not going to get better odds this whole weekend. You're really not. So 300K to win 214K. I'm at a million five hundred fifty thousand right now. This will push me to uh, one one point seven, getting me to my goal to double your money. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.